It's Tennessee Titans talk. It's Colts week again. We've had an early bye this year, and usually I think that's not good for a team. But uh, I think we needed it with our injuries. We're really glad to be back. We hope everybody had a good week off. I hope everybody enjoyed watching Red Zone all day Sunday. Let's check in. Landon, big fella, how was your bye week? Mine was, uh, you know, around in Tennessee, depending on what county you live in, it's fall break. So we hit the mountains, and we were up uh, almost near Rocky Top, and it was... A down week, you know, obviously no Titans game, and I needed to come off the injury report too. So we recovered, just like our team, and ready for another week. This past bye week was probably one of the better weeks I've had in a long time because I had a short fall break from school off just two more days. Got to hang out with my mom, have some great hot chicken biscuits on Saturday. We got to see Tennessee beat Alabama. Oh, baby. And then on Sunday, we got Nathan, you and I, we hung out. We watched football. I mean, it's pretty much the perfect weekend. I got to see my close family. I didn't have to worry about school. And I had some really good hot chicken. You can't beat that weekend ever. People in this region love that Tennessee game. And it's been 15 years since we've seen Tennessee beat Alabama. John, you text perfectly. That was as good as college football gets. Oh, yeah. It had everything. It had a lot of ups. It had a lot of downs. It had moments of despair where that failed handoff, Bama took in for a touchdown. I was like, I... I don't know how you come back from that at that moment no, of the you game. Didn't. I, we, every Tennessee fan thought it was over. Yeah. And that team, my God. Yeah. So in, in case you're wondering who that fourth voice is, we're lucky <laughs> to have in my house tonight, my dad, Tony, a.k.a. Pop, is uh, with us. He sometimes listens to the podcast. So we're really excited. I know Big Fella and Landon, we've all watched a bunch of games together, and he is really excited about this Tennessee win. We're going to talk about that in this episode, of course. We're going to get you ready for Titans-Colts Part 2. We're watching opening night for the Grizzlies season, Major League Baseball playoffs. I told him, I was like, hey, Dad, I'm going to do a podcast tonight. And his first uh, comment was, oh, the boys are coming over? (laughs) Technology makes it a little easier for us, but I'm glad that it sounds like we're all in the room together. And uh, I hear that a lot. I was like, how do y'all get together so much? Do y'all live together? you roommates? (laughs) Big fella, regardless, it is great to be back for a podcast. We hope Tony never changes, ever. Yep, Colts week part two. So Colts, after having a stinker of a game uh, against the Broncos on Thursday night, a week and just about two weeks ago, they're coming off of a pretty big win, beating Jacksonville 34-27. You know, Matt Ryan looked like the Matt Ryan that the Colts hoped they were going to get. He was 42 of 58. Can't believe that guy threw 58 passes for 389 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, he, he was vintage. Oh, man. In a he, week he, where older quarterbacks looked really bad, he, he was the best of that bunch. I didn't think he had that much of an arm left. Uh, I mean, we've seen a noodle. But, you know, this team comes in, they're they're feeling pretty good. They've got some players that could be some problems for us, like a, a Michael Pittman Jr., 13 catches, 134 yards, or a Paris Campbell, who I always think is an incredible route runner, seven catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. They're putting together, quietly, a pretty dangerous roster of receivers. Guys are no-namers to most people. We're relatively familiar with all of them, but definitely something we have to be ready for. So let's just start talking about what we think is going to happen this weekend. I think it's going to be a battle for four full quarters, a back and forth bout as it usually is this time in October or whenever we play the Colts. We got the best of them, the first meeting, and now they come to our house. I can never predict this game, especially when they come here. They Their fans travel. They've always played well here. You throw out 
all everything going before. Yeah, we won up there. What's the line on this game, and what what's the over under? So the line is we're favored by two and a half. Finally. <laughs> yeah, I think this is probably well. Actually, the Raiders game we were probably favored in, but otherwise, this this is the first game since the Giants game where we've been favored. Not to look ahead to our schedule because this week is all about how much we hate the Colts and how much we want to bury their season before it even begins. We're probably not going to be favored a lot going forward. Going back to this Sunday, the over-under is 42.5, so Vegas is not impressed by Matt Ryan throwing a bajillion times a game and scoring and scoring the most they've scored all year. They're not impressed by the fact that we waived Josh Gordon, Racy McMath isn't back, and our offense is just going to continue to be very uninspiring in terms of excitement and explosiveness. 42 and a half, that is a really mm-hmm. small number. I would still take the under because our defense should be getting back several pieces. I'm still not impressed with the Colts' offense enough to go forward. It was a really impressive performance considering that Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines were out. But at the same time, like the fact that Matt Ryan had to throw it as much as he did kind of speaks to the fact that they were just trying to figure out something that works because usually you don't want your quarterback throwing 50 times a game. I know like the Bucks do it with Brady... You don't want a guy who earlier this season was starting to look washed. You don't want to have to lean on his right shoulder 50 times a game. I mean, even too, like you said, it was the Jags in Indy and the Jaguars, they only ran 55 offensive plays. So whereas the Colts, they ran what, 60, 74 offensive plays. So, I mean, things were not clicking for Jacksonville. They scored 27 points, but not the Jacksonville we saw earlier in the year where everybody's ready to crown them. I think the biggest thing, interestingly, more than usual, is I think injuries. Uh, Landon referred to Jonathan Taylor. You guys can guess, and this probably happens to the two of you, people just walk up to me and start asking me Titans questions <laughs> at this point. <laughs> what I've heard most this week is, uh, are we going to get our defensive guys back, and is Jonathan Taylor going to play? Landon, you're really good at, at predicting who we'll see on Sunday. What What are your best guesses, and what what's the current state all for both teams? Well, Amani Hooker has, has cleared concussion protocol, so he should be back. Perfect. Thank you. We goodness. have a chance of seeing Monty Rice elevated because I believe this is week two of the three-week activation window from the pup list or the early season IR. So no news yet on Monty Rice. Dupree was a full participant today, which is really good because usually Wednesdays are veteran load management days, so he should be back. Then Zach Cunningham popped up again with an elbow injury. I believe that's the same thing that's been nagging him. I would lean towards him him not playing, but the last time we played the Colts and when they did have Jonathan Taylor, Dylan Cole had the best game of his career. Oh, easily. And other than yeah. that, we should be we should be good. Nate Davis was limited today after the surprise inactive against Washington because he got hurt the Friday before. But at that point, that'll be over two weeks since the injury, so Nate Davis should be back. Our guard play won't be an eyesore on the field. The left side of the offensive line will still be an eyesore. There's no way we can fix that unless we figure out a way how to uh, scientifically grow an ACL and put it into <laughs> Taylor Lewan's leg. We, we don't have that technology yet? Landon, change, Landon. change your major. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. I mean, as much as I hate mechanical engineering at times i would do this i would do this a hundred times over before i try and do bio or chemical (laughs) looking at the colts right now it's a lot of it's just resting guys a lot of their older players like ryan kelly gilmore Shaq Leonard, I'm interested to see how he'll develop because he played like 10 snaps and he went out and he broke his nose (laughs) <laughs> he also has a concussion, and he has the same back injury that he start that he missed the start of the season with, and I believe he hasn't played since our game when he broke his nose. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's funny that you mentioned a broken nose because 
that's something that people would laugh at. But if you have a broken nose, you're not really breathing well. And that is impossible to play at a premier position like he's at with line, middle linebacker running up and down the field. That's difficult. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's out. Yeah, I was leaning towards him not playing just because of just how many things he has popped up. I mean, he's listed with the back injury, the broken nose and a concussion, which I assume came from the broken nose. Yeah. Then Jonathan Taylor is limited. I feel like he'll he will play. And then Julian Blackman, who missed the first game, who's a really good coverage safety, is going to be in. So they're looking mostly at full strength, other than Shaq Leonard. But Shaq Leonard didn't play the last time we played him, so not much is going to change from what happened a few weeks ago to what will happen on Sunday. Well, it does sound, Land. It sounds like Quiddy Pay actually may not play. From what I'm reading about, he's got that ankle injury. Colts beat writers are feeling like he's unlikely to go. What do you think about that? That's definitely something because he's been one of their anchor defenders in the run defense, which had been really good. And then Derrick Henry ran all over them. And then Todd Downing forgot how to call offense. (laughs) especially with how the NFL is nowadays and how bad our offensive line is. Any team losing a starting defensive and edge rusher who is a good player, I will take. I feel bad for him, but if he's inactive on Sunday, good for us. Mm -hmm. Because I don't care what it takes. I want to see us sweep the Colts. Agree. Yeah, as rocky of an early season we have, if we sweep the Cubs, I mean, Titans fans are going to think that we're we're in the driver's seat, even uh, after through all that, especially as the Giants now look like a reputable team. Yeah. I mean, if we come out of this thing and, you know, we're four and two on top of the division and the Colts are what they'd be, Three, three, and one. I mean, that's a pretty good stake right there. And then you've got the Jags at two, four, two, and, and the, four. And more importantly, the Colts would have three divisional losses already. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that when you're only playing 17 games, that math can become very important. Well, and Lane, I was going to point out too. You mentioned you mentioned the running game and or, or the Colts defense. The Jags through a mix of different running backs. They had 243 yards on the ground against the Colts last week in their house. So even with Quiddy Pay out, that's going to be something that we are again going to exploit with with the King. Trevor Lawrence had two rushing touchdowns. So when I look at the box score, those are things that I'm going to focus on this week of ways that we can make some different kind of things happen on offense. I would love to see Tanny get back to his Tanny role and, and scoring touchdowns if he can do it. But I always want to see 22 get going. In the off week, I think the big narrative was who's going to get healthy, right? Besides that, did, did anything of note in your mind happen for the Titans in the last week and a half? Not really. I mean, we all have been texting about it. We released Josh Gordon. I kind of feel like that was a waste. I don't know. Uh, Rabel said that he just wasn't progressing to where they wanted him to be. Like we've talked about all, all season, I still don't understand how he could not have been better than Cody Hollister. So that's something weird to me. We picked up a couple guys from practice squads uh, around the league. Nothing really of note. And the other one cool thing that did happen to yesterday, Delaney Walker officially retired and Nathan, we've been watching these games for a long time, and there were so many times where it was just Delaney Walker and Jarrell Casey busting their butts. They were the you know anchors of our team. Really excited for a guy like Delaney to kind of yeah. get his due and to be Casey celebrated. Casey got to by play on that nineteen team and be healthy. I really wish that Delaney Walker could have played on a few better teams, and and I would love to see him. I can't think of any player from our past we could need more than we oh. we could use Delaney Walker right now. Good God, no. 
We cannot. <laughs> Best of luck to him and health to him. He was so fun to watch. You watch a team win five games in two years, you still see a guy play that hard and play that well. I mean, he was the only really good NFL caliber skill position player I think we had for stretches of both of those years. And so just the pride that he had and the skill that he had, uh, just really going to miss that guy. And I'm really proud that he was a Titan. He's, he's a great guy with a big heart. I hope he stays in the community. Yeah, same. You see these guys, uh, Nashville is kind of hard to beat, so these guys aren't from here, and you see a lot of them stick around, and that's a guy I would love to see stick around. So, Tony, Tony, so obviously you're a huge UT fan. I think arguably the most famous uh, volunteer of all, Peyton Manning, played for this stinky team we're going to play on this weekend. I mean, what are your thoughts on the Colts? Do you think they're officially the biggest rival of the Titans? You know, been in punching matches for the last, God, I I can't remember how many years. I think uh, in the last maybe decade, they've been uh, the Titans' biggest rival. Now, when Peyton was there, uh, everybody in this area loved Peyton, okay? Mm-hmm. And so they didn't see him as a big rival like they did when Luck came on. It's true. And uh, wore us out for a few years. <laughs> Back in the early days, uh, Jacksonville. Yeah. What was our big rival, I think, 15 years ago? Right. Yep. To me. Yeah, when they were good. Uh, yeah, yeah, they they were good. I mean, uh, there was one year when uh, the only defeats they had was by the Titans. Yep. Yeah, that was one of my favorite years when they lost three games and, uh, <laughs> and we beat them in the playoffs. And yeah. I, I think that that's like Alabama beating Tennessee 15 straight years. Like, you never really get over that, right? Like, you uh, – Yeah. That, that defines that franchise, right? Uh, because when they – we stood in their way when they had their best, their best chance at a championship. Those were the Tony Bozzelli days and the Fred Taylor days and the Mark Brunel days. And that was one heck of a team. Yeah. Um, so, Dad makes a good point, and I think a lot of uh, people see – you know, the Ravens and Steelers. I know we do, John, from the days where the divisions looked a little different. The road to the Super Bowl went through Baltimore and Pittsburgh. So for that reason, I think traditionally it would be the Colts. And then how, as Dad says, like Peyton Manning was really kind of owned the 90s, um, the, the mid and late 90s in Knoxville. So it was hard for a lot of Tennessee fans to um, – and when this team transitioned to Tennessee, it they were it was very, very much – trying to talk college football fans into being football fans on Sundays, right? Yeah. So it's interesting. Like, I think most teams have had the same rivals for 80 years, and I think it's kind of a, a unique perspective on our young early history. One thing that's kind of interesting with your point, I wonder what the city of Nashville and Tennessee football would look like if we were the ones to have drafted Peyton Manning. I mean, I know we were nowhere near, you know, the top of the draft to get him, but what kind of crazy chaos do you think that would have been if the biggest man ever in the state came to our pro team when we were just getting started? I mean, what do you Yeah, it's one of those what-ifs that would have... Uh, okay, so I think the Colts might have moved out of Indianapolis if they hadn't been lucky enough to draft Peyton. Yeah. Um, I, I really think... I mean, he literally got that thing built yep. that they play in now. And yeah. so I think it would have been absolutely transformative. And it wasn't easy in the first few years. Peyton did not have a line in front of him. Yeah. So no, he, had a ru- he had a rough three or four years to start. Yeah, sure. which I think uh, affected the end of his career, I think, with his health. I think he took an absolute beating. And that they all they were was rewarded for being really bad uh, by getting Peyton. And we weren't bad enough to be in those whatever. But to answer your question, John, I think it would have been absolutely transformative. I'm trying to think about what I can compare it to. Landon, could you compare it in sports where a big-time star stays in his region? And that always has, like, we talk about LeBron's years in Cleveland, how transformative it was for that entire region. And, and I think it would be along those lines 
Are there other examples, Andy, you can think of where that actually did work out? Really, the only other name is LeBron, even without having the hindsight of knowing just how great, like all-time great athletes they both became. Because it's more than just, well, it's one, it's the hype. Obviously, LeBron being arguably the most hype prospect ever. Peyton Manning yeah, there was owning <laughs> the state of Tennessee when he was just in college. And then how good he actually was. If Peyton Manning had somehow gone to the Titans, the Titans fan base right now will be so much bigger. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it would be unbelievable because you would have pretty much the entire state would would be a captive audience of fans that didn't have an NFL team around them. The best player that ever played for their college team is playing right down the highway from them. It would be the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. And we would have, and at least, especially during the paying years, our fan base would be unlike any other because to my knowledge, especially in the NFL, there's never been a player of such magnitude that stayed where he had already become a legend. I'm sitting here thinking of examples. I can't think of another one that would compare to what that would have been. You would have to say, like, if O.J. Simpson had stayed in L.A. and gotten drafted to the Raiders or something back when he came out. You can think of, and I mentioned earlier, like, even if, like, Mariota, we've known from meeting other fans, he was a huge deal in the Pacific Northwest. If he had somehow played for the Seahawks. But, no, it's never happened. And and it makes me wish that it had happened more because, like you're saying, Landon, it would have been, this franchise would be different. Because I know people in my family and uh, people that I know refused to root against Peyton Manning. And so in those years, they couldn't really go all in. And it's easy to look back and say, you know, we would have had banners hanging, but I think we would have had banners hanging. I mean, look at what yeah. Peyton did to that team and transformed it. And what he, they ended up getting a pretty decent roster, but man. It's an interesting discussion because it does complicate the rivalry. It really yeah. does. One man complicates the rivalry. That's what makes it fun. I know we talked just a month ago about the matchups and what we think about this team. And I think that's one thing I do like about these divisions is we play the same guys a lot and we kind of know this team. When we follow the Colts and the Jaguars and the Texans draft pretty closely because we know we're going to get to know these players. So beyond that, I mean, what's your feel on this game Sunday? I have seen the Colts come to come to our house and beat us way too many times in close games and blowouts to ever take them lightly. I, I've They beat us with, with Jacoby Brissett. They beat us with Curtis Painter. I've seen it all. So this will never be a cakewalk for me. I am always going to watch this game and have no fingernails left at the end of it, no matter what. Even if we're up, even if we're up with twenty-four nothing yeah. at halftime, it's um, true. It's it's a very unpredictable uh, yeah. matchup. Always. Yeah, it's just something about these kind of games. It's hard not to think about just the history of how the Colts always seem to have our number. Even though since Tannehill has come here, the only time they beat us is when we had the FedEx guy come out and punt, and he blew <laughs> the game for us single-handedly. Oh. So I feel <laughs> I feel pretty good that we'll keep that streak alive because like I said I still don't believe in Matt Ryan. We know our defensive line can beat up on their offensive line. Quentin Nelson has not looked nearly worth his contract. Autry and Simmons have both had his number in the past couple matchups. Last time we played, we pretty much shut out Michael Pittman. Last time we played, Derrick Henry had a really good game. Coming off bye weeks in the regular season, Mike Vrabel is undefeated. Actually, in the regular season when he's got extra time to prepare, so coming off a Thursday night game or a bye week, we're undefeated and we win by like 13 points a game. It's a home game. It's, It's a chance to make our playoff push really, really easy because Jacksonville does not after that fun little start has shown those same cracks and those same issues 
Houston is a joke. If we sweep Indy, if we push them down to 3-3-1, and we sweep the series, we give them three divisional losses already. We honestly, we would just need like eight wins to win to the division and host a playoff game. And it's hard to see us going very far with the left side of the offensive line, but I mean, anything can happen in 60 minutes. And just knowing that you have such an easy pass to getting to the highest level of your sport is such an extra motivator because I don't think our guys have that same sense of rivalry with these Colts, especially since we've started to own them recently. Now, if it were Baltimore, that's our big rivalry. That's our big rivalry right now. It's Baltimore and then it's everyone else. Yeah, I think it's because they play the brand that we want to play and it's aspirational. I I, I think um, young fans and older fans kind of they they kind of circle back to Baltimore, and I think that's that's interesting because I don't think you would expect that. Big fellow, what are the big key for you Sunday for winning this game? Well, one thing that I really like looking at stats right now. I mean, Matt Ryan sucks when he plays in an outdoor stadium. If you look at their wins, it's at home against the Chiefs. It is a the ugliest game we've ever seen against the Broncos, where they scored no offensive touchdowns. And it's against the Jags at home. They lost to the Jags in Jacksonville. They they lost to us at home. They just suck when it comes to playing outdoors. So you look at Matty Ice playing in, in the NFC South in domes pretty much 90% of the time. He doesn't really have a great track record outdoors. And it's not going to be a nice summer day on Sunday. It's going to be chilly. It's fall in Tennessee, and he's going to have he's going to struggle. So that's one thing I like to hang my hat on. And then, like we talked about earlier, I think it's time for King Henry to eat and to establish his dominance, this rushing attack, and get back on track and make the fan base really excited again. And one other cool thing that I always love when they do this kind of thing, it's the Oilers-Titans homecoming. And I know we go back and forth about the history of the Titans, and we really should claim the Oilers, but it's cool. There are going to be a lot of NFL vets on hand, you know, like the Earl Campbells and all sorts of crazy people. And it's going to be fun. And that's just a little extra motivation to get these guys pumped up. And I I don't know for sure, but there's been rumor about us having a throwback uniform with the the Oilers. They might do it. I don't know, but uh, it, it would be a big stunner and you know, they players usually get pumped up by for that stuff. Yeah, I think the players enjoy that more so than the fans. Sometimes it's really fun. It's it's been an interesting layoff landing. It's been almost a month between home games. Do you like a layoff, or does it get you more excited to to get back? Oh, I'm fine with the majority of our home games being in the cooler parts of the season. Looking at the weather right now, it's not going to be as cold on Sunday as it will be during the week. It's going to be kind of chilly in the morning, but expect to get it up to around 80 or 75. So around game time. It, the weather won't really be an issue as far as temperature goes. And I actually looked this up because I was curious because it felt like the schedule was structured really weird. We only have one instance of back-to-back home games. Now, part of that is with 17 games, this is the year we only have eight home games, so it's a bit less in general. But we don't have back-to-back home games until the game before and the game after Christmas. (laughs) That is a really interesting kind of caveat of the schedule. Yeah, so the Colts... Washington back-to-back stuff, or Washington Colts, to account for that ninth game. Other than that, I'm pretty sure we just go back and forth, back and forth between home and road the rest of the year, except for that one set of two games in a row. Well, they break it up as well as they can. It'll be interesting to see uh, a team that's had um, some time off and has not been at home for a while, kind of what the energy of the team and uh, the rhythm is coming out and of our fans. John, do you expect a a pretty good turnout? I know we see a lot of the other tone of, of blue traditionally, but I feel like, especially since the pandemic, 
I feel like we've seen more of our own fans in their seat in, in the last two seasons. Do you expect that Sunday? Yeah, I'd like to think so. Um, you know, like I said, there's the Oilers homecoming game and, you know, people usually show up for that. And like you said, I think it is pretty interesting that you mentioned that from the pandemic. There are certain teams, obviously, that travel super well, but I don't think that the Colts, I don't think they've ever traveled really well. They used to. They used to travel here really well, like we're talking about the Peyton Manning and the Andrew Luck. And the Andrew Luck days where he owned us and they would come down here and they would all be wearing Andrew Luck jerseys. Like literally every thousand, 10,000 pudgy middle-aged dudes (laughs) were all wearing Andrew Luck jerseys. Every damn one of them. And I I would high five the people wearing a Dwight Freeney jersey because, you know, as you guys know, he's one of my all-time favorite players. Um, But yeah, I think we'll have a good showing. I think think crowd will get into it. I think that everybody realizes what's at stake. And like Landon said, win this game and we can kind of like write our own write our own destiny here all right guys besides our game what are you looking forward to most nfl week seven there aren't a ton of crazy interesting games out there some that have some intrigue like we've talked about you know in our group texts we've talked about the panthers and that mess of it of of a team with matt rule getting fired and the team potentially having a fire sale right now. A lot of players are on the trade block or being talked about trades, but the Buccaneers headed to Carolina, three and three Tampa Bay team versus one and five Carolina team. You know, in division matchup, this is a big one. Tom Brady, I think his record against the Panthers is like eight and two. I heard on the radio his record against interim head coaches is like twelve and one or something crazy like that. So that'll be a, a game that's pretty interesting. And then always you got to look Cleveland Baltimore, right? Oh, for sure. That was going to be one line. Just two middling teams that are hover around five hundred for different reasons. <laughs> and like the loser, of this team. Like obviously, we're all hoping the Browns lose, even though. The Ravens are our biggest rival right now. So the Browns lose. They drop to two and five. They don't have their first round pick. But then on the Ravens side, the Ravens, I want to, I saw they have trailed for less than five minutes all year, but they're three and three. That's so weird. Yeah. So can they finally figure out how to close a game? I think so. Yeah, because I think it starts Sunday. I hope it does. Yeah. All right, so if if the Ravens don't let Tua have the greatest quarterback performance in over 10 years, if they don't blow a 17-point lead to the Bills at home, if they don't melt down against the Giants and turn the ball over twice in the last three minutes, they're 6-0, they're looking awesome, everyone's excited about them, but they're 3-3 because for in the fourth quarter, they are pretty much one of the worst teams in football, at least defensively. And then my other one was going to be a West Coast matchup, Seahawks at Chargers, 3-3 Three and three Seattle, four and two LA. I still don't think the Chargers are that good, even though they're missing a lot of guys. And this is a chance Seattle, that division, they're tied for the lead right now. So they can go into the Chargers stadium, which is hardly the Chargers stadium because the Chargers don't have fans. The Seahawks had a pretty low-level week, I guess, last week. For the first time, their defense was really good and their offense was kind of whatever. But Geno Smith has been awesome. Hopefully, he can keep looking awesome. And just, that's a that's a case where the Chargers are playing for the AFC wildcard. The Seahawks are playing for the division. 
The Seahawks are a fun, surprising team. I'm interested to see in how Trick Woolen will look against Mike Williams. I, I just think the longer Seattle kind of hangs around as a relevant team, just the worse that's going to look on Russell Wilson. And I think ESPN oh, yeah. is committed to making that a story of, of embarrassment for him. Sometimes, even for good players, there's a transition, John, for a guy to get acclimated. And they got a first-year head coach. But even all that being said, it just doesn't look right over there. No, and I saw, obviously, like you said, Everybody, ESPN, everybody, everyone on social media is trying to make this Russell Wilson story outlandish. And I saw a pretty funny meme today with a stat. It says, Russell Wilson has more bathrooms in his house with 12 than he does touchdowns in six games with five. Yeah, I just think there's too much news coverage when we're getting oh. that. And Tom Brady's uh, <laughs> winning percentage against the interim coaches. Is, uh, we, we're just we're deeper than we've ever been. And I think most of it's nonsense. But it's so great. I mean, this is so much fun because unlike as many college players that are out there, these NFL players, these mega superstars open up their lives so much that, you know, we can just kind of look and pick apart whatever the heck we want to. It's just so much fun and it's hilarious. And thankfully, we aren't the laughing stock of the nation right now with our team. And it's hilarious. And want to throw out one more game. Houston at Vegas. Somebody's got to win that game, right? <laughs> It'll probably be Vegas because... <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people consider Vegas a decent team that has had terrible luck. Oh, horrible. Yeah, ter- yeah, just really bad luck, some bad coaching. But I mean, like, they took the Chiefs down the wire and then they had two receivers run into each other. They almost came back and took us to overtime, even though Waller tried his best to sell the game. Yeah, they should have beat us. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'd said I that mean, before, so, I'll say it now. Yeah, so they're better than their record is, and Houston is just bad, bad. Well, we've got you covered for Titans Colts Part 2. Thanks for joining us. If you don't follow us, you haven't rated us on iTunes or Spotify, please do so and teach somebody how to work a podcast. I want to thank Big Fella and Landon, of course, my dad, Pop, for being with us. Guys, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. Yes.